Welcome, everybody, in the world on God's green earth to the Michael Dupree Variety Hour on every podcast provider in the world except for Spotify. Uh, you know, Spotify, although they are technically a podcast provider, I don't really consider them a podcast provider. I don't I don't go to podcast, uh, Spotify for my podcasts. I use Podcast Addict and then Google Play and then maybe iTunes in that order. Not Spotify. No, no, no. I go to Spotify for music only. But maybe I would go to Spotify if I could figure out how to put my podcast on it. It's not a matter of me not wanting to be on Spotify. It's how. How How could you? How would you? How could you do it if you would were to do it? That is the question, and I don't know the answer. The Michael Dupree Variety Hour is an arts showcase and comedy show where we feature local musicians, local artists, Painters, poets, writers, comedians, actors, no sculptors. I still have yet to have featured a sculptor on my show. Well, I mean, I have I've featured people who ha- who sculpt, like artists who also sculpt. But I want somebody, like Emily Wood, like she does sculpture. Uh, I want someone on my show who only does sculpture. I don't want someone who ever touches a pen or a paper. A marker, a colored pencil, Crayola crayons. <laughs> I want somebody who only does sculpture. Wood sculpture, steel sculpture, clay sculpture, marble sculpture. I want marble. I want a marble sculpturist on my show. But I don't. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, great. Another musician. <laughs> Boy. What a What a day. Hmm. We're back from a one-week break, our first one-week break that we've ever had on this show since it started as a podcast. I have never missed a week, never missed a Monday, but now I did last week because the door to the studio was literally broken. <laughs> I could not get in. We had to contact the the Wayne State Police. <laughs> they tried to get in. Their keys weren't working. We got ejected a building engineer. He couldn't get in. I don't know how they ended up getting in, but we're in. We're here now. They used dynamite. <laughs> like old classic, <laughs> like Acme dynamite. And they stood like five feet from the door and put their fingers in their ears. Classic. In case you don't know the voice of the person that I'm sitting with, his name is Ian Ruhala. He is the sole force behind the music uh, extraordinaire. <laughs> the music, the I don't know if you consider it a band because it's just you, right? Yeah, it's just me, but it's a band. It's a band. Probably. It's a band of one. <laughs> yeah, uh, a band of brother. Um, <laughs> he is Ian Ruhala. He is of the band Hala. Uh, very, very, uh, pretty, pretty big, pretty big group, a uh, pretty big band in the in the Detroit area. Um, pretty fancy, fancy, elegant. Yes, you don't gotta big, be I don't humble. Know. <laughs> They're pretty, pretty big. I don't know. Well, You're pretty exciting. You. That's mm. very I'll fancy. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, you better take it. It's a compliment of the highest degree coming from Michael Dupree. Mm. So welcome to the show. 
Thank you for you, having me. You have actually been in the studio many times before. Many a times. Mm, you used to have a show on Wayne Radio. Mm-hmm. What was that show called? It's called Guilty Pleasures. Guilty and Pleasures. It was just basically a music thing, and I would kind of dissect songs, and then every episode would usually end with like one weird song that like really it was like every week had a um a theme mm-hmm. and then like i would close out with like a weird song like a classic rock song usually that would kind of throw everybody for a loop like frank zappa weird or like no Quiet riot weird no kind of like um to explain like just great songwriting like maggie may by rod stewart mm. like not everybody's go-to but like i thought of my go-to yeah well <laughs> But you understand what I'm trying yes. to, what the show was about yes. then probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was about just so like you you so it's like uh, themed around kind of uh, songs that like people might yeah like maybe embarrassed to listen to yeah now yeah and just like not songs that people would immediately think about as representational of an idea or prowess within music I guess mm-hmm. and just writing. But yeah, it was it was a great time. Yeah. So uh what what so let's let's bring it back. Let's take it back. Where are you from? Um uh Oxford. <laughs> you thought about that too long. Well, <laughs> I was I was I lived in Swartz Creek for a little bit when I was a little baby. A tiny baby. A tiny tiny baby. Mm-hmm. You don't remember that. Yeah, I don't really remember it. Um lived there for 3 years and then I moved to Oxford and um Lived there until I was 18, mm-hmm. and then uh, just like a lot of youngsters went to college, and then uh, now I'm here in Hazel Park, mm. Ferndale area. Mm-hmm. Um, where yeah. Where is Oxford? Oxford is by like Auburn Hills where the palace oh, is. Okay. Um, what is your very first memory, now that we're talking about being a little baby? Um, probably it has to deal with this old house that I lived in in mm-hmm. Swartz Creek um, baby. as a baby. I just very vaguely remember watching Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, baby. <laughs> in my living room. And I was I was really, really little. And I was on the couch. And it was the King Ramsey episode mm-hmm. where it's like Return the Slab. Oh, that's the and scariest I just, it's episode. It's the scariest episode. And I was like three watching it. And oh that's why God. I think it stuck out with, with me just because it was so scary and mm-hmm. i was like should i be watching this <laughs> my three-year-old Pop self into consciousness like... <laughs> and like fear <laughs> so and that's probably my first first real memory i, I think or, or just a weird like nocturnal emission wet dream that i had <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> well that's how every morning begins for me so it's hard to pinpoint when i first time that would be mm-hmm <laughs> So uh, you, you live in Oxford for most of your life. Uh, when did you start? When did you first like take an interest in music? <clears throat> um, my mom likes to say in the womb, probably, because mm. my started dad drumming on her ovaries. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but uh, my dad was in a classic rock cover band, mm-hmm. and uh, she would always tell me the story about how when she would go out to see them and they would do a, like a Led Zeppelin song, mm-hmm. how I would always start like kicking. Oh, nice. <laughs> so to I, the beat. To, uh, yeah. Right on two and four. <laughs> I was a machine even in the womb. Uh, but yeah, uh, 
my mom likes to tell that story. That's probably where uh, I sowed the seeds of love for music mm-hmm. was uh, that early on. Was that when your first album was re- released, when you were in the womb? Yeah, I was very prolific <laughs> as, a, uh, as a seed. <laughs> they, like, they really, that's never been done. I, an, a fetal recording artist, that's still yet to have been done, so... I'm looking where are you at, to... Kanye? <laughs> where are you at, Kanye? Where's your next? Where's your ne- your your baby? You're not even a baby yet. Uh, recording. You don't think artist. you could uh, shove one of these uh, seven bees into the womb and just like mic up a child? <laughs> well, I'm sure you could. <laughs> Whether you should or not is a different story. Yeah, I guess. So you shouldn't do that. <laughs> when did you? Uh, once you were out of the womb, once you had emerged, uh, a a bouncing, bubbling baby boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you first like pick up a musical instrument? Um, probably when I was two. Jeez! But like, started getting serious and like learning "Smoke on the Water" at and, like, like two and a half. At like eight. <laughs> <laughs> my my dad he he like I said was in a classic rock cover band and mm-hmm. he always had guitars around the house and he played left handed and even when I was like two my mom would try to give me the guitar and hand it to me like right-handed the mm-hmm. right way, you know, cause like cause every right-handed. Play, everybody plays right-handed and I write right-handed as mm-hmm. well. But uh, I would always flip it over left-handed. So mm-hmm. I would look like my dad and uh-huh. it turned out to just be a curse because now it's so hard to find guitars, you know, and I got to yeah. like <laughs> flip things and restring things. But yeah, I, I guess I did it for the novelty of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and then you just uh, when so when so you said you started taking it kind of seriously when you were eight. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like started like really learning songs and like kind of writing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a song called the Pickle Song, and the it was Pickle Song. Yeah, it was about a pickle that got hit by a train. Jeez, and uh, <laughs> that's a high concept. <laughs> yeah, I. It was kind of a song that my grandpa wrote, and then I just did the music too, mm-hmm. and that like really was the beginning of it all that's when hollow started yeah (laughs) yeah basically do you remember the the the, how that song went um i had a pickle bought it for a nickel took it to the tasty freeze (laughs) along came a choo-choo knocked it cuckoo now my pickle's free that was the first couple questions yeah um why was the tasty freeze on a train track um or was it a rogue train (laughs) It, let's just imagine it was some backwoods scenario, okay. <laughs> like kind of like in a rural area. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's like a train everywhere. Like there, there's only a train, no cars and like horses. And <laughs> yes. then um, like a Dairy Queen tasty freeze type thing. Like right next to the train tracks? Right next to it, And yeah. the pickle was being careless and stepped onto the train tracks while Very, enjoying yeah. his ice cream. Foolish, yeah. Blinded by... Uh, Sweets, you know. Yes. Well, you know, we well pickles aren't necessarily known for their uh, senses, for being able to perceive the environment around them. Mm-hmm. So it's fair. Did he die? He got hit by a train. Yeah, well, I mean, the, <laughs> he I know died instantly he, the next day. Uh, <laughs> died instantly the next day. I watched. I watched Hot Rod uh, the other night with my roommates. Oh, I love that. Movie. Great movie. It's like, so good. I, I thought it was funny when it first came out, but, like, I watched it the other night, and, like, we had a few drinks, and, like, of course, like, it's, we were, like, it was just ten times mm-hmm. funnier. When I first saw that movie coming out, I didn't think I was going to like it, and I avoided watching it for a long time, because I just thought it was going to be, like, a stupid, like, 
Uh, and it is stupid, but it's like stupid in the best way. Yeah, it like foreshadowed meme culture and like so many things that are like funny today. Mm-hmm. And it, like that movie's like ten years old. Yeah. So like, I think it's like twelve years old now. I think it's not twenty six. Yeah, but it, that's a great movie. Yeah. Like it's so funny. Yes, I love that movie, and I want to see when that movie came out. Hot Ro- oh, two thousand seven. I was very close. Mm. Hmm. I think it was like it was right in the middle of our guesses. Damn it! <laughs> so uh, when so what's your history with like uh, when you started like doing like band stuff for uh, recording with other people mm-hmm. or um pretty much when I was in middle school mm-hmm. like I started like befriending people in the music program like I was in orchestra and I played stand up bass mm-hmm. and uh, my friend JJ played cello. In yeah, Interesting. public schools, man. Oh. It's crazy sometimes what they <laughs> can do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, like, I would befriend people in the orchestra and then the band program because, like, I could play guitar, I could play bass, and then some of the friends in orchestra could play bass as well. And then it was like, well, now we need a drummer. So, like, we, like, went to the band room and we found some spazzy kid that was, you know, like, crashing cymbals together, like School <laughs> of Rock or something. And... uh yeah, I had a band called Retrospects for a while. That's a good name for a band. And it started when I was like 13, and we all wore, you know, the Ray-Ban glasses. <laughs> not the ones, not like the 3D glasses with the eyes punched out, because that's, that's lame. No, that's the, lame the Kanye and, ones. Um, oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of... The, a... the ones that have the, 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 the studs or diamonds on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But I like the, the big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how that band formed. And we did that for a few years. And recorded some stuff. There's there's stuff floating on the internet about it too. But uh, then my drummer Cannon he moved to Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of broke up the band in a way. How long how long did that uh, band stay? Uh, how long was that band around for? Um, I think we played our first show in 2013, and then our last show. We were together for like two, three years because, mm-hmm. like, it was right around the time that I graduated. Like, Jeez, he crazy. Would... like when he said 2013, it felt like you were talking about like a couple years ago. 2013 was five years ago. Yeah, I was, I was like a freshman in high school. school. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> sophomore, yeah, sorry, sophomore, it's... I think. But uh, I know it's cliche to talk about at this point, <laughs> but Jesus Christ, 2013 was five years ago. Good year, Weird. though. Good year. Though. It was a good year. It was a good year. <laughs> but yeah, so then I kind of not having the resources of a drummer, you know, like I kind of took it to myself to like really start learning the drums and like bass and then kind of like now that I can play all these instruments, like maybe I should just try to record at home, you mm-hmm. know. And I was I was listening to a lot of people at the time that were doing that kind of thing, mm-hmm. not thinking of it as like a DIY like oh, I need to do this like by myself because I am cool and like wear dickies and have a a key chain on my my <laughs> belt loops, you know, not something like that. But uh, I just kind of was like, I, I have like space in the basement. I've got a drum set. I've got a few microphones. Like you've got the know how. I got the know how. Like, let's just do it. So, and by let's, you mean you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's me do it. This is this is me talking to myself inside my brain. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it all started. It was uh, my junior year of high school, and I had 
on top of all this stuff, like, had just broken up with, like, my first girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was feeling the blues. Ooh, that's always tender. Yeah, it was, it was tender. <laughs> but, like, it, it became, like, some, like, pretty good songs. And then yeah. I, when I had those songs done, I was like, I should just record these by myself. And that's kind of how, that's, like, the framework of, of everything else. Great. So what is this first song called that you'll be performing for us? Um, I'm going to do Sorry. It's a new song that's going to be coming out in a few months, the mm -hmm. recorded version. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just all do right. a stripped down version, give y'all a taste. Yeah, a little, a little nibble. Here is Sorry by Hala. To find your fortune hidden in the bay You just don't know what you're getting yourself in And I'm so Machiavelli in Inside my head my problems They don't hide away from me I know, I know We're not the same But tell my mother that I'm sorry for the blame For what I did this year
Wow. Oh, wow. That was fantastic. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So uh, what? tell me a little bit about your songwriting process, about like what you're just like, I'm going to write a song right now. <laughs> what do you do? Um, well, I, I kind of, I can't really just sit down and like be like, I'm going to work on writing a song. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of have to experience what I'm going to write about. And then it kind of just man- magically like finds me almost. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like a religious experience, but it kind of feels magical mm-hmm. in that in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, like a, a lot of great musicians and, and directors, like Harmony Kareen, like he says that he can't like just sit down in a comfortable place and like write a script and like a movie mm-hmm. that's like about like violence and like death and stuff like in the comfort of his home you know like where he's all comfy he's He's got to kind of go out yeah he's got to like go somewhere and he's got to like feel that like experience and he's he's got to live it's like method acting or method writing method Mm -hmm. recording same thing but uh it's kind of like that it's like i I mean i never write about like wars and stuff like that i'm I'm not like the u2 and bono (laughs) or something but it could be (laughs) Could be, but I, I like heartbreak. You know, you can't really write about heartbreak and not go through heartbreak. Yeah, and you can't write about like drugs and not take drugs, and you can't write about college and not go to college. That's true. It's. I mean, you could. You you could <laughs> you could you could dream about like that idea. But, yeah. But you kind of have to have an inkling or an idea of what But then it has to be about is, that you know? dream. It has yeah. to be about the concept of the dream of it rather than actually experiencing it. Yeah, it's... Sometimes you just got to cut the fat, too, and you got to, like... You can't just dream about something. You got to just go out and do it, you know? Do you ever have a, like, run into road... Blo- like, writer's block with, like, the lyric side of things? Um... Yeah, I'm sometimes. mostly for advice. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've run into a lot of writer's block myself. It, it's hard. It's like sometimes, especially when you're doing it for a while, like and like you have a collection of songs, it's like I don't want to just uh, be redundant yeah. and like say the same thing again. You know, it's like, right. but it's it's hard to kind of like, you, sometimes you got to do that. If you're writing love songs or something like that, you know, you're still talking about the same topic. Yeah. But it's like, how can you cover more ground and different ground? Yeah, different you know? perspectives on the same Yeah, issue. and it's like, kind of as you get older too, you, your vocabulary changes and like words that are acceptable to say are also changing and yeah. like things that you want to talk about are, are changing. So it's like, it kind of, Writer's block is a blessing and a, a curse at the same time because mm-hmm. it's just like it it's it's happening for a reason. Like you're supposed to like realize like okay something here is not going right. I need to go maybe experience something, mm-hmm. or I need to like you know Reframe learn something, or so. yeah, just you know maybe I need to change things up, shake things up. Uh, that's that's a big part of it. And but writer's block isn't everybody goes through it, mm-hmm. and it's like. There's no like cure for it, and other than just writing songs and like living life, and that's how you're gonna get out of that funk. It's just like or pe- get into the funk. Yeah, people who are who are playing sports and are in a slump, you know, like 
you're going 0 for 24 as a and you're batting fourth in the lineup and then you're getting knocked down to sixth or something it's like you don't get out of that slump by you know just pouting about it and mm-hmm. eating a sub on the bench you know you just couldn't like <laughs> couldn't hurt that couldn't hurt. you you, you get better and you get out of that rut by mm-hmm. like you know going to the cages and like hitting and like you know like trying to get yourself out of that mind frame that like because i mean half the battle is mental too yeah you know in in basically everything so it's it's like how can i tell myself that things are going to get better and how do i like be more optimistic instead of pessimistic about the process roger that roger that roger that great answer uh so you have two albums out right now uh you have your debut album young alumni and spoon fed uh what would you uh what would you say uh because they're they sound like it sounds like the same artist but it sounds they sound very different uh what what would you say, what would you say the difference is between the two like mentally and the like kind of direction mm-hmm. that you went with them well <clears throat> the thing about young alumni too is i I think it's it's released as an EP, but it's like ten songs, so it yeah. is an album. But uh, what's the what, what's the difference there? I it's guess. it's just kind of a label, I guess, to discredit your work. Uh, in my <laughs> opinion, it's like I don't want to say it's an album because I don't think it's good enough. That's at least how I was thinking back then, which is silly. And that's how I think a lot of artists think about EPs. It's like, oh, I'm gonna do this just to satisfy the consumer yeah. sometimes, instead of like doing a record. But in, in uh, other ways, it can just be like, hey, I've been working really hard on four songs. Like, here is this, you know, thanks for They're not necessarily in, like, an order that they were written in that order for that reason mm-hmm. as much as an album. Yeah, it's, it's, they're silly concepts that really have only, like, taken development in the last, like, 15 years of, of music production, I would mm-hmm. say. But that's besides the point. Um, kind of, uh, with young alumni, I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school, and... I was writing in my parents' storage room in their basement and, you know, recording, doing kind of like what I had been doing for the past couple of years. And I, I don't know, it was like the process, it just was like I'd come home and I, senior year, so I didn't have a lot of homework. So it was pretty much as soon as I hit the door, I would get like a snack and a drink and then I would go downstairs and like lay drums on a Monday. And then Tuesday I would lay bass and then three days of guitar work maybe, and then vocals over the weekend. So it was kind of like that process. And it wasn't, it was more academic than thinking of it as an artist Mm -hmm. because I was just like, I just want to keep learning and keep like trying to get better at recording stuff. So that the process, it was a little different than a lot of other stuff that I've done. But, uh, I was still writing about those experiences, like, you know, going out to a party with a girl that's, like, just terribly mean, mm-hmm. and then, like, being, like, and trying to justify that idea, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, mentally, I was just kind of, like, you know, a young, naive kid that who had never been away from their parents' house for a week, you know. And then I got picked up by this label, Balaclava Records, mm-hmm. and out of Brazil, and pretty much... After I was 18 when I signed with them, and 
That must have been crazy. It was it was really crazy <laughs> because we went to Brazil and we played 13 dates. Wow. In Brazil and like it was the first time I'd ever t- done any touring. First time I I mean I'd been to Mexico and Canada but I'd never been, you know, that You're far just away like from home. like on vacation. Yeah, so it was like my parents were all s- scared like but it was like totally legit too, which was the strangest thing because it was going into it I was like all right, we're going to go to Chicago where we're going to catch our flight to Mexico City and then to Sao Paulo. And it was like one of those things where we like we're like if this if we could die, like it was <laughs> potentially like really it was like scary and we were all like I was the youngest in the band at the time cuz all my my other bandmates they had graduated, they were a year or two older than me and but I was like the leader in this thing and i was just some like You're just 18 year old kid yeah and i was just like man i am putting these ch- these kids lives at risk yeah. to go <laughs> to this to do to do silly music you know but like we went down there they were so nice to us and like paid our bar bill every day or our tab or whatever and like housed us and like caught flights and like buses and like there was a day where we had a 13 hour bus ride in like a charter bus with all of our instruments in the the lower like hatch of whatever the bus was so it was like just a crazy like life-changing experience and there's like a little documentary about it too where you can see like fresh faced me and like all these other kids and we're just like like we weren't like you know preppy like um party kids you know like we weren't on like the lacrosse team or the football team so we'd never even though like we went on spring break you know like we never had like the daytona beach like craziness and this was kind of like that moment for us to like (laughs) like we might never get this experience again like let's party as hard as we possibly can but i mean we were still playing like pretty good too so like (laughs) that wasn't the top priority (laughs) yeah but it was like kind of like one of those things where i didn't treat it like a business I didn't treat it with that savvy or anything like that. Like I was just like, this is crazy. We might never, not ever do this again. So like, let's like do it up. So we definitely enjoyed it and they were, they loved it. And it was, it was just really crazy that, that like kids down there, like were into the music. Like, and I guess that's just the magic of the internet these days. But people in Brazil just love all kinds of music. They're they're like a different kind. They're like beautiful people that just like, are always down to have fun. And, like, that's, like, a rare quality in people that they're just, like, they're just all smiles all the time and, like, always down to have a good time. And I love that. Yeah. It, like, just totally agreed with me. And my my skin was great. Like, the (laughs) weather was fantastic. It it was, like, no complaints. No complaints at all about that. That's awesome. So have you done any uh, touring since then? Um, Like, uh, outside of Michigan? I've done a few shows outside of michigan but it's never it's it hasn't been like an extensive thing like, like international tours yeah and nothing international mm-hmm. yet but uh yeah that was crazy i i i think and that was just after young alumni yeah that was just after young alumni like i graduated high school mm-hmm. and then we did that and then the day we got back we drove from uh o'hare in chicago and then we to detroit and then Packed up all my stuff the next day. I left for Central, oh. where I was going to college, and then I dropped out to write <laughs> Spoonfed. Oh, so, wow. basically, w- moving on to to the next thing, like 
I was in this like crazy like funk of like I'm out on my own now for the first time. Like I had just gotten back from this tour and it was like super successful and I was like, you know, for for the first time like very rebellious mm-hmm. in my life and not like it must have felt like crazy like a high. Yeah, like, it was. It was a weird feeling, just like of like. It was almost. It was kind of depressing, but like, also like invigorating and like it made me want to like work harder but it was kind of one of those things where like I got back and then I was at school and I was just like this is not for me like going to classes and just like not doing anything musically Mm -hmm. so like I was going home and then like writing and recording on the weekends and like I was like this is still stupid Mm -hmm. but like by the time that December rolled around I had a collection of songs that I thought was pretty good and I just told my parents, I was like, I'm packing my, my stuff up. I'm I'm going to move to Detroit. I'm going to move in with my friends. I'm going to live in the attic of this house that's 110 years old. I'm going to bring my drum set. I'm going to write this record. I'm going to record it. And that's what I'm going to do. And they were like, okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, they've been very supportive throughout throughout the years. And I think that was, first of all, them letting me go to Brazil and like then this, like, like I props to Benji and Becky. Like they are, they're my rock. They're, they're That's the best. Awesome. But yeah, I, it was a couple months of just like really like it was hard because yeah. it was the middle of winter in this attic writing and recording this record in a coat yeah. for most of the time and like not eating a lot. Cause I was like a poor man and I'm just going against the grain like that. It's like, it was got to be like a really hard thing yeah, it thing was, to do. And it was just weird because it's like I couldn't, nobody understood it in the family too. They were like, why would they, why would he want to do that? He like was on the dean's list at CMU. Like why wow. is he like, what? I mean, which at CMU, I mean, that's, dean's list at CMU isn't that impressive. I mean, it's still, it's like, still, so you're doing what you were doing, I was doing well in school. I was doing well in school and like I thought I knew what my career path was going to be but I was just like I need to do this for myself you mm-hmm. know and I, I I did it and a lot of like my friends at school like from high school were like they thought that was really cool or like really stupid <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing with yeah. same thing with the family they were just like okay <laughs> but uh yeah that was I didn't it was kind of like it was it, all this tension had been building up uh, from the summer and like school and all that stuff and just like feeling like kind of an adult for the first time that it was like I just needed to pop that's it I needed to make this record and I think I can always look back on it finally because of that time period of my life mm-hmm. and just like in reflection of that I'm just like that's like a, a, that person that made Spoonfed and Young Alumni. Those are two different versions of me. Like I don't know who 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 did that. Yeah. Who wrote that? Who re- so you, you recorded that? You feel like a different version of yourself than when you recorded Spoonfed. Yeah, I. I don't even know who that person is really. Wow. Like it was. A lot of it had to do with with what I was also adding on top of my my extracurriculars with uh with like marijuana or something, but. <laughs> I, I yeah I just emotionally, physically, mentally like I 
I'm glad that I'm out of that funk and out of that, like, that moment of my life. But, like, I can look back and say, like, that was crazy. Like, I'm glad I did that. Yeah. So what are your uh, goals for 2018? Um, goals for 2018. Sip on some water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I got a single coming out in May. Mm-hmm. And w- the first song that I played is going to be on that. I'm familiar. You're familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an A-side, B-side single. There's another song on it. I'm doing vinyl for the first time, which is like nice. crazy. Um, yeah. But I'm really excited about it because really that's taking me up to may like i've got stuff to like prep for it and like i'm still writing and recording too on top of that and kind of like setting the framework for something else that could happen later in the year but that's taking up a lot of my time but uh i'm really happy with this because everybody who has contributed to the record or put any influence into it is under 30 Mm. which is like i think is really cool and because like i'm 20 i wrote everything, recorded everything. The guy who's pressing my records is 18. Oh, wow. The guy who mixed my record is 28, 29. And, like, the guy who did the press photos and the album layout is 22. I just, I, I bunch really... Of young, dumb millennials. Yeah, a bunch of dumb, <laughs> young millennials. And I just, I love that. And awesome. it's just, like, it's great that, like, there's not, like, a label or, like, some older, like, elder who's, like going like mm-hmm. over all the stuff you know i like kind of how it's all in our control yeah and it's like i kind of had this like epiphany maybe or just just thought i guess just dumb it down but uh just like i was listening to music and i was listening to like tame impala for for example and i was like oh, man I, i'll never be able to write a record like that i'll never be able to record mm-hmm. like that you know and then it like totally flipped and i was just like like why why not? why not why not try to like just give it my all and like you know really try to make something that can compete with that that's mm-hmm. like like degrading to the art form and you know like just thinking like that like it's so putting silly putting it on a pedestal yeah and it's like why what's what's keeping me from i know how to play guitar i know mm-hmm. how to play bass drums whatever i know how to record a little bit i know how to write songs it's like what's keeping me from making something like that and that's what really like lit the fire under my my took us to like <laughs> like let's do something cool so i'm really proud with these songs and the recordings are are probably the best that i've i've done to this point and it's just it's really exciting to me nice and having all the control is like even more exciting to me as well yeah so what is this next song that you'll be performing called? Uh, this is More Than Anything. This is a slower love song. All right. Here's More Than Anything by Hala. I need your love more than anything in this world. I need your love more than anything in this world. More than anything in this world I need your love uh-huh. When I call 
don't have to say hello at all Cause I know that voice is of an angel In what I fear Hippie punks taking my spot right here Oh, oh, you're making me nervous right now And all I'm asking is for some certainty That this is the way it's supposed to be I need your love more than anything in this world I need your love more than anything in this world Yeah, I need your love more than anything in this world I need your love, uh-huh, honey In what I see White wine in your hand so comfortably It's all a dream You and I with the fancy cutlery Oh, mirror, mirror, it's what I fear They're taking my spot right here Oh, oh, you're making me nervous right now And all I'm asking for some certainty that this is the way it's supposed to be. I need your love more than anything in this world. I need your love more than anything in this world. Yeah, I need your love more than anything. I need your love, uh-huh. Oh, 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 yeah, baby. Wow. Very nice. Very beautiful. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. All right. So we are going to take a very brief break. Uh, but when we come back, we will have Rick Mavis on the show. He is a professional housing contractor. We'll be back with Hala and Rick Mavis after this. <laughs>
welcome back to the Michael Dupree Variety Hour on every podcast provider in the world. I am here with recording artist Hala. Hello. Ian Ruhala. Thank you for having me. Do you me. go by Hala or is Hala just the name of the ba- the gr- your, your um, band, your music project? I usually go by Ian, but mm. if people call me Hala, I that's cool too. Mm, Hala I, Hala. Yeah. Um, Hala Hala Get Dala on Instagram. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. So I'm here with Ian Ruhala. Uh, and we're here sit joined by Rick Mavis. Great to be here. Great to have you, Great Rick. to be here. <laughs> uh, professional housing contractor. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's th- right. You're, uh, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you. So uh, tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a professional housing contractor. It might seem like humdrum, but the way you were describing it, it's a pretty exciting oh, line of business. It's a lucrative business. Let me tell you something, I'm sure. Michael. Yeah. All these old houses today, mm-hmm. Detroit, it's full of houses. Do you know how old all the houses are in Detroit? No, I'm not familiar. They're over 200 years old, well. most of them. That's the, just, just the average, the average age. So, you know, people need those houses fixed. People are moving yeah. back into the city from the suburbs. Yeah, they're moving they're down in. from Troy. Troy, they're Oxford. Like, they're like, why is in my house? They're moving them from Oxford. Mm-hmm. Never even heard of Oxford. No. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. No. My concept of Southeast Michigan stops at about 16 Mile. Wow. <laughs> so Pontiac? Is that? I don't think that's 16 Mile. No. <laughs> I think that's a little further. <laughs> okay, maybe. I think that's not even Southeast Michigan. Is it? Hey, it's Ontario. It. It's not Ontario. It's, it's in a whole other country. <laughs> no. Hmm. It might as well be. So, Rick, uh, so you also mentioned, so you mentioned that like uh, you, you run into some issues a little bit with uh, oh, housing. All the time. Yeah? All the time. L- like what? Well, for one thing, these old houses, you know, the ducks, the air ducts, mm-hmm. they don't quack, have quack. any. They don't have any air ducts. They don't have any air ducts. <sighs> no. So they, like, flying ducks? Flying? No. Like birds. No, like, you know, you ever see the movie Die Hard? Yes. Remember that part where he's crawling in that shaft thing? Yes. That's like an air duct. Oh. None of the houses in Detroit have air ducts? No. None of them. Why? I don't know. Builders (laughs) just didn't have a concept of an air duct before, like, I don't know. You're a hell of a housing contractor. I know. (laughs) I I have a question also. Um, Go ahead. I just moved into a house in Hazel Park. Okay. That's kind of your your district. Yep. Um, Very familiar. Who who in the hell thought it was wise to put a furnace in the attic? Well, let me tell you something. It's actually a very smart idea. Because oh. you think about it, when a, if a furnace explodes or catches fire, your whole house goes up in flames. But if it's in the attic, only the roof comes off. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> what do, he, does rise. Go, he does rise. <laughs> who, who but then again, a, that's who, also an argument against the furnace being in the attic. Who, but... Who is a who is a business card that says professional housing contractor in this room? Well, Let you, but you also yes. don't understand why there's no air ducts in the <laughs> houses in Detroit. I didn't. I wasn't around then, Michael. Okay. I wasn't around then. Uh, also, um, uh, I used to live in a, a duplex. Okay. Um, how, how, what's your? Are you familiar <laughs> with duplexes? Yes, I make a lot of duplexes now. Basically, what you do is you take the house, you essentially cut it in half. And then you just kind of... Copy and paste? Yeah, basically. (laughs) You just kind of try to... You know, sometimes the rooms don't line up, so you got to, like, make it... You got to make some stuff up. You got to do a little improvisation, you know? Yeah, like juggle. My my one issue with um, duplexes is is in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. because they... At the one house I had, they stacked 
the bathrooms on top of each other. Yep. And so now, <laughs> because the house was so old and the pipes were like all weird, mm-hmm. like the drainage coming from the bathtub upstairs like mm-hmm. would get caught in the ceiling. And then there was ah. a, a six foot um, circumference, circumference and radius uh, piece of drywall in ceiling that just fell into just, our bathtub just kind of making like a swimming pool effect you know yeah yeah it was mm-hmm. it was terrible and then there's a giant scary hole in our ceiling um, yeah. was there anyone in the bathtub when this occurred no but if you took a shower the, the for the weeks to come mm. you would get like drywall in your hair and like yeah it was brutal but what who so were you on the second that? floor when this happened or was this i was the on the first floor, floor. so, you on so the first i was floor. getting okay it was like kind of like a human okay. centipede mm-hmm. effect, like yep. you know, where I was getting just the, the, the bad stuff. At the that's end. actually a technical term we use that the human centipede <laughs> effect for these kinds of things. Um, yeah, it's probably what you're probably dealing with there was um, back in the day they used this stuff called galvanized steel. Mm-hmm. It's all bullshit. Yeah, you know. Then they changed it to copper, but then people stole that. So now they use just this plastic stuff. It's like. Mm. PVC, I don't PCP, yeah, PCP, PCP, yeah. PVC, you know, I don't know, plumbing stuff. How um, whatever plumbing stuff? How is do a you great name uh, for a plumbing service? Yeah. <laughs> plumbing, stuff. plumbing and stuff. Plumbing stuff. Plumbing stuff. But when that happened at the mm-hmm. house, like yep. they sent a guy, and his name was Ernie. He was very nice, and he was very. <laughs> very do you know cool. Ernie? Fucking Ernie. Man. You know Ernie? Though. Yeah. He's he has one arm, and he fixed our ceiling with one arm. Wow, what a piece of shit. He was you don't her. like Ernie? <laughs> no. I don't. Why? Why is that? What's we go back. Ernie? We used to have a business together, me and Ernie. Yeah. What we was, used to work together. Was it plumbing stuff? No, we weren't plumbing stuff. We were Ian and Rick. Ian and Rick. Yeah. We hang out. <laughs> we just we had a van. Wait, together. why Ian and Rick? If his name is Ernie. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw a lot of Ernie in, in you, Ian. And I just it's got okay. confused for a second. You're like a two-armed Ian. No, remind me so much with your two arms. Ernie, yes. Ernie, I thought he was really great, but I don't get what what's your beef with him. Well, did he ever tell you how he lost his arm? Uh, no, I, I didn't, I didn't ask. Well, let me tell you, Ian. <laughs> he blames me for it because while we were doing Rick and Ernie's plumbing stuff, we weren't doing plumbing stuff, but we were doing contracting for, you know, we had a van, we had our name on the van, mm-hmm. it was a great time. Two men in a van. Two men in a van. We tried two men in a van, but it was already taken by some two men in a truck, I mm-hmm. don't know, it was too, too close. close. They fucking... I think I've seen a porno that's called Two Men in a Van. Yeah, it's a good porno. I've seen <laughs> a, I think, a plus. I think, I think that's actually an entire category. <laughs> Uh, well, now from personal maybe, maybe from personal experience, I cannot comment on that. Anyway, uh, so me and Ernie, we had this, we had a great company, we had a great thing going. But as it turned out, you know, I'm not so good at drywall and plaster. It's mm-hmm. a lot harder than people think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I had my uh, circular saw out, was cutting some stuff, and you know, I don't know what happened. One minute I'm. They're just cutting stuff. The next minute, there's an arm. It's severed. It's blood's everywhere. Red. Mm-hmm. It's not the paint color we chose for the house. I was really confused. Ernie's screaming, "Call nine one one." Of course, this was before cell phones, so I <laughs> had to, had to go leave. find had to go find a payphone. Was terrible because the housing we didn't have the phone line connected to the house. It was really bad. <sighs> and he blames me for it. 
So, so why do, why do you think he's a piece of shit? Because he sued me after that. Oh. Uh. Well, it is kind of your fault. It's not my fault. Who puts their arm in a circular saw? Let me uh, tell you something. If you saw a circular saw, would you say, I want to put my arm there? I mean, it depends if my friends did it first. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I might have been doing that first before. I just, Ernie yeah. was a saint. I have mad respect for him. Hmm. Do you keep you don't keep hmm. in touch with hmm. with Ernie Ian? Um, no, I I don't. I haven't seen him. It's probably been about twenty five years. Twenty five years, yeah. but you're not even twenty. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you're twenty wow. twenty one twenty. I'm twenty. Wow, but it's been twenty five years since Jeez. I've seen him. I don't like it. It was in a past life. Oh, <laughs> see, I don't even want to understand how that works. I don't even. Hmm. Ernie believed in that. That was all bullshit to me. I didn't understand it. <laughs> Some I think you gotta nonsense. Op- I think you gotta open your eye- your mind to think, Rick. To think. Open oh. your mind to think. My mind is already thinking mm. all the time. About so, houses. So Rick, uh, tell me about the uh the best house you've ever worked on. The best house I've ever worked on. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Victorian masonry? I'm not, but it sounds fancy. It's nineteenth century, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Tudor housing. I was working in East English Village. It was a beautiful house. Mm-hmm. You know, they say Henry Ford's mistress owned this house. Oh yeah, it was great. It was I great, thought Henry house. Ford's mistress owned a house out in like Southfield. She also owned this one. Okay, <laughs> he had several. <laughs> oh okay, he did have several. I mean, once you have one mistress, why not just have a, a bunch? Right? Why not? Well, back then it was easier to have a mistress. Now yeah. it's. It's more taboo. More yeah, cell phones. Now it's more like, oh, I'm going to take a picture of you. And it's like, were people more public about their mistresses back then? No. Or were they, they were, just more lavish? People were them? more, back then people were more, uh, they didn't They didn't ask. It was like a don't ask, don't tell situation. Just think of JFK. Like, he had a bunch of mistresses mm-hmm. and, like, he was able to keep it under wraps. Like, Obama couldn't do that now. No. Or, like, you know, anybody. Or Clinton, any other Clinton couldn't presidents. do it. <laughs> he sure couldn't. It's because mm. it's because back the, when men were men. Yeah, the press had a respect because no. it was all <laughs> it was all men in the press, and they respected. They understood where they were coming from with the mistresses. Helped mm. keep the happy marriage. There weren't a lot of divorces back then. That's true. Back when never, men were men. Back then, never mind that the fact that uh, women couldn't get a divorce whenever they wanted. But whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm. I don't know about that. I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, you sure aren't. Nope. Do you know any lawyers? Uh, yeah, I knew a guy that helped and, uh, incorporate my business twice. How many first, arms did he have? He had two. Okay. <laughs> I think that's one of the first things you should ask about someone that's polite. It's the minimum requirement I have for someone with arms. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. You won't even yeah. consider speaking with someone that only has one or nope. zero arms. Nope. Poor Ernie. No. Nope. Poor Ernie. Nope. Mm. Um. He's not poor by my standards. What, what do you feel? Took everything um, I have. Uh... In Detroit, there's a lot of like radiators and like, yep. that yes. stuff. Yep. Um, Very familiar. Personally, not mm-hmm. a fan of that. When you press up against it and You're it's really out. hot, You're missing I don't out. like you it. You burn your tuchus. Yeah. That's the way to heat up. What What's What's your thoughts on radiators? My, my thoughts and on just, radiators uh, and that should they go in the attic? I yeah. think I think radiators radiators they don't have to go in the attic because you don't. It's just hot water. Mm-hmm. You know. 
I don't think you'd want it in the attic because, you know, to your point earlier about the shower, like you don't want hot water seeping through because then it's just that's what I imagine. One of the your seven, ceiling. Yeah, I imagine one of the seven circles of hell is just hot water being poured on you <laughs> constantly. Uh, I think radiators are the the premier heating source. The Think about it. They're the cheapest. You know, you're not there's a lot less inefficiency. Mm-hmm. Um they make a little bit of noise, but you know, if you don't, that's only if you have the steam ones. If you get the ones that are hot water going through them and not steam, it makes it a world of difference. Hmm. Still, those bastards get really hot. I got some of those in my house right now. Whew. Can make a grilled cheese on it. That's true. Do more than that. I could brand somebody on that <laughs> shit. Brand a cow. Now, I noticed that you're wearing a t shirt uh, that yep. says, I've seen a UFO, and I, all I got was this lousy t shirt. Yeah. Uh, is that ironic or? Uh, my son tries to get me to go to these concerts mm-hmm. and they have these ironic tees mm. all the time now. I don't understand. So you haven't seen a UFO? I've, I haven't. Well, this, I can't really talk about that. You can't. <laughs> Why not? Well, we I, will respect I that. Have <laughs> a, I, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's I have a gag order from... From so E.T. <laughs> from E.T., the movie. From, yes. Not from Steven. Steven. Not well, from Steven. That's a shame. I'd really love to hear a UFO story. Oh, okay, a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it. I'll switch the names out so that I don't think that works. Like, does that work? Yeah. You're in radio pod. Yeah. Like, pods. Yeah, nobody's going to listen okay, to this. Okay, so. No. Government won't listen. Yeah. So. Yeah, FCC, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh. It was a quiet night. I was out in uh, Monroe. Mm-hmm. Monroe County? Mon- no, Monroe, Michigan. Okay. Monroe, Michigan. You familiar with Monroe? I, I've heard of it. It's They've down, got a it's nice a, Tim Hortons there. It's down I River. love Tim Hortons. Yeah. This was back when the mall was filled with things. Now, instead of just a dying relic of another time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was a quiet night in Monroe. Uh, the sky was really cloudy. It was a little bit of fog, not too much. Good amount. Of fog. Just, just a, just a good amount to know enough to kind of create that feeling like oh, something, okay. could, something could fucking mm-hmm. happen right now. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of saw this flash of light. It got really bright. Mm-hmm. It kind of coming ex- from the sky. Yeah, it kind of exploded. You know, like a sonic boom effect. And then. That was it. I just never saw it again. Are you referring to the uh, meteor that landed like no, this last was, week? That was like this was like t- there was no meteor. I don't think there was a meteor. Mm. I didn't hear it. I, how can you hear? I, everyone's like all over. This. You just said there's a sonic boom. Yeah, <laughs> but that was this, this was, was a separate like, situation. This was, this was this was twenty years ago. Oh, oh, okay. this wasn't three days ago. Yeah, this it. wasn't three days ago. I'm seeing some fucking <laughs> media. Media air quotes, because I didn't hear nothing in my Detroit house. So you haven't seen an alien or anything? No, I just saw them. Well, I saw them that one time in that ship. Yeah, I think my by. eyes were closed when the meteor uh, hit. Really? Yeah, my. So you heard? Did you hear the boom? Uh, I think I had headphones on too. Oh, that's a shame. So. I was I was in my Plymouth apartment and I saw a big old flash of light. Well, and then, Plymouth. Boom. That's a nice. It's a nice area. It's okay. You got a nice little cute downtown i like going down there it's fine yeah it's a cute place <laughs> it's, 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 i don't like it that there's much. a lot of there's a lot of fine women 
there then hang okay. out at night yeah okay <laughs> you ever been to that what's that club there that club club 76 club you know 69 Club 69. Club 69. No, it is. It's not Club 69. <laughs> I, I think it is. It I think be. it is. I've been to Club 69. Yes. <laughs> I have not. Oh. Yeah, what about you, Ian? Do you believe in aliens? Um, Do you believe mm, we're not alone in the universe? Uh, I don't think they're aliens, but I definitely think there's other things out there. It'd be silly not to like think. Well, aren't those? Well, would they be an alien? Yeah. You're saying you don't believe aliens are visiting I think, Earth. I think alien is a derogatory term. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they're just as ugly as us. Yeah. But, I mean, it's space is endless. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't even fathom it how endless it is. Yeah, like, there's that old saying that uh, there's two possibilities. We're either alone in the universe or we're not, and both uh, possibilities are just as terrifying as the other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely something else out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean it's just like we're on one rock. That's like there's millions, did you guys, billions. Did you guys hear about that? They're like funding like UFO research now, or like you know just looking into aliens. Still, they're yeah. What do you mean still? They've been doing this for years. I thought they were just started doing. Oh, sorry, I said too much. Oh, <laughs> I can get behind that. I'll, I'll, my tax dollars can go to that. I guess. Interesting. I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars or something they put towards it. Wow. That's really, like, uh, really spending the big bucks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was more than no that. No expense. I, I sure hope it was. It's probably <laughs> enough for them to get a some fixed costs up and running. They can set up a building and a sign. It's probably enough for them to oh, send no, an email to millions, Pluto. apparently. Oh, rather that okay. makes more I sense. Was, yeah, hundred thousand dollars probably wouldn't be that. It's much. probably funding. <laughs> it's probably just pork barrel spending by our congressman <laughs> to just get some kid up and running with some fucking Ghostbuster shit. They spent it on enough to buy a mortgage for a, a decent middle class house. Yeah, <laughs> in the basically. <laughs> to put a down payment on like a two million dollar house or a million dollar house. Yeah, that's good yeah. of them. That's good of them. Hmm. So uh, you seem really hush hush about the aliens. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're telling you're not saying enough. I'm not saying enough. Yeah. What do you want me to say that they crashed? Yes. And that they that I walked over to one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? I go use the bathroom. We take a five second break, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, start with a different topic because you're obviously. Um, We'll respect your thoughts and concerns revolving around aliens. Please, and please do. We'll only focus on your professional career Thank when you. we get back. That's the whole point I came to talk sorry, about. Sorry to hijack your show, but <laughs> I really well, have to pee. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we will uh, take a very brief break, and we'll be back after this. <laughs> U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I U I G U I Ooh, 
Welcome back to the Michael Dupree Variety Hour on every podcast provider in the world. And we're pretty we're out of time. We're pretty much out of time, you yep. guys. I know we said we were going to ask you more questions, but we're an hour in. Yeah. I got things to do today. Same. I got to <laughs> go get some houses fixed. Yeah. So, uh, so got any last, uh, last things to say before we get out of here there, Rick? Uh, Ernie, if you're out there, I'm sorry. I'll send the message. That's it. I'll send the message. That's it. And Ian, uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I, no you please. I was just going to say... um. I'll shoot him a text and tell him that you guys want to link up, maybe get brunch or something. I don't know if I want to go that far. Do you think he'll remember you, Ian? Um, yes. <laughs> and Ian, where can we find more from you? Um, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Spotify. Mm-hmm. I'm on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a podcast. What about the radio? Uh, you on any college radios? Uh, maybe on a few. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, AM radio. AM, yes. Okay. For uh, sure, AM radio. But, uh, yeah. They can't get it up. Instagram, holla, holla, get dollar. Twitter, the band, holla. Facebook, slash the band, holla. Uh, and it's spelled H-A-L-A. H-A-L-A. Not H-O-L-L-A. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Holla. Holla. Mm-hmm. And we can expect more music from you in April, you Um, Late April, May, probably. Wow. Very exciting. All right. Well, this is the Michael Dupree Variety Hour. We will be back next week with Remnos. We'll be back. Here is What is Love? Tell Me Is It Easy by Hala. Bye. She's so fine. From time to time In my mind I compliment her All the time I wish it was easy To find A lover who's
Michael Dupree Variety Hour is recorded in WAYN Radio Studio. Please remember to subscribe and review the show on iTunes if you're so inclined. And if you would like to find us on social media, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Michael Dupree VH. The theme song for the Michael Dupree Variety Hour is Don't Weigh Me Down by Broadcast 2000. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.